You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Tari need your help in the fight against the Gaulds. Stationed in an undisclosed location under the control of Stargate Command, you will start your training as a new recruit into the Stargate program. Stargate role-playing game is a sci-fi tabletop RPG where you assume the role of a member of Stargate Command on a Stargate team. As a SG team member, you and your teammates will go through missions guided by a mission commander in the fight against the Gaulds. The rules are currently in development and are based on the 5th edition open gaming license. This is Tabletop Arcanum, and I'm your host, Justin. This week I have the special treat we talked about a little bit ago, uh, a few episodes back, and we were going to talk about this beta test for Stargate, the new upcoming RPG by Wyvern Gaming. So I assembled a small team of players, and we tested out the system a little bit. Uh, Have to come with the fact that it is a beta test right now, so not all the rules were currently available, and there will be some changes that uh, definitely probably coming up in the final product. Now, this was set to release at Gen Con this year, and with the unfortunate news that Gen Con is now uh, postponed till next year, Wyvern has also delayed the Stargate RPG until 2021, which hopefully allow for more times for tests and some extra revisions. The details on that will be put into our show notes for you to read on your own. I have recorded after our second session in the playtest cycle that we did, and I would welcome you to take a listen to both myself and my players discuss our thoughts on the Stargate RPG. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining my playtest with the Stargate RPG by uh, Wyvern Studios. Uh, you or my player base to kind of test it and and let's talk about a little bit first who you are and more uh, of our thoughts on this. So uh, we will start with who played our Jaffa. Uh, that would be Ken. Hello, everyone. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm Ken. A uh, little background: I've been gaming um, in some form uh, since I was eight years old. Uh, started with AD and D. Uh, I've been game mastering various systems uh, since I was. 15 so going on third going on 25 years of game mastering um and i've been playing at the table with justin for the better part of 15 years so a little background mm-hmm. on me uh my preferred system of choice uh 100 hands down every time is the west end games star wars system uh one of the easiest things to run play and just the simplicity of it is amazing um, but right now we've been playing a lot of the uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and uh, various 5th ed uh, variants. So I was happy to be involved in this playtest. Excellent. Thank you, Ken. Uh, we'll pass it over to Alec, who will eat our medic from Abydos. I played uh, Niram, a medic, um, uh, Abadonian medic. As far as gaming, my experience pretty much goes back to when I was five years old. My dad introduced me to D&D, so I grew up with it. Actually playing tabletop games, it's mostly been D&D since I was about 15, GMing most of the games. Me being brought into this group, actually, I think sometime last year, it was about a year ago now, one of the first times that I was actually able to play 5th edition, period, um, in my f- however long it's been out, years of DMing it. Awesome. 
and then last but not least, Wyatt, who played our engineer, who may or may not have snuck into the Stargate program. Yes, it was the one human in the party, or like one normal like Earth human in the party. I'm Wyatt. I'm I've been gaming since I've been playing D and D and other tabletop games, well, t- tabletop RPGs, uh, since middle school. Uh, so I was decades ago, but I've been mostly playing games, a variety of different like tabletop games, uh, whether it be D and D, Paranoia, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, every like all the West End games, all the White Wolf games, all everything like I've got a vast library of like. Uh, gaming books and i've uh actually have gone on to study uh, game art and design mostly in, in field of video games but also i have intentions on doing tabletop rpgs and writing as well yeah it was, it's been a fun experience i've been gaming with uh, you guys for several years now like gotta be like over 10 years of gaming yeah it's definitely been a long time uh, so yeah. since since before I moved down to Florida, so that was seven years ago, so long before that. That's true. All right. And now, well, we'll dive a little bit into the review uh, with our first impressions first. Uh, we'll start with Ken, and then we'll kind of keep going in that round-robin sort of way. Uh, and I'll interject after uh, Wyatt. All right. So uh, first impressions of the uh, Stargate playtest. So it does have the base shell of 5th uh, edition, um, OGL. Which I really like. I mean, the system is, in itself is very simplistic to learn, um, but the depth is always there. And depending on your gaming group, your character development and, and how deep you want to get into the actual character background and, and, and stuff, um, it's it's all there on the table like every other 5th ed uh, game. Um, specifically in Stargate with uh, character creation, I really like the, the various options of not only just race, but race and uh, origins and environment that you grew up in. Because it does really reflect more on, hey, I'm not just a human from Earth. It's like, where did you grow up in Earth? What societal factors? What physical environments did you grow up in? You know, kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed that. The class system um, seemed a little strange. Not simply because it was you only play a class until a certain level and then it becomes more of a open advancement system. Um, but specifically the the classes that were available, um, there weren't any alien specific classes. It seemed like they were trying to force everything into the we are human going to teach you these skills. It's not a bad system. It, it's it's not a bad way of handling it, um, especially with the source material where. It's just so open um, with the Stargate universe and, and Stargate series in general that they have to find a definitive point to say, hey, we're focusing this way. And they did. And, and the class options are, are pretty solid. I specifically enjoyed playing the Scout, um, very similar to a Rogue and a standard uh, fifth ed game. But it did have enough of the Stargate flavor to make it seem um, more than just a reskin of a Rogue. Placed uh, the, the gameplay itself, uh, you know, it's just... Standard roll a d20, add uh, add your bonuses, add your you know everything else, see what's going on. Um, combat handles like uh, a standard fifth ed combat system. Again, um, it's as streamlined as you want to make it. You can either do fast paced rolling or you can do the you know, take your time, roll at leisure, based on your gaming group. And I think the the overall impression I have of the Stargate system is that it really does allow you to customize your gameplay and the mechanics of the system to your specific play group. So if your group is more of a laid back game, you can absolutely run this as a laid back game. If you are more of a die hard, like rules hard 
um, group, you're going to find challenges in the in the uh, meat and potatoes of the rules um, as written. And if you're the combination of, you know, not necessarily playing to the letter of the rule, but more the spirit of the rule, you're going to have a lot of enjoyment coming into the system from that, just based on how the rules are designed and how they meld, um, how they take standard fifth ed rules and uh, what they add to it for their specific system. Awesome. Good first impressions out of Ken. Uh, Alec, what do you think? What was the first thoughts that came to you as we, we started diving into this? So well, Ken went over a lot of what I was seeing as as we played through it. Um, being a mm-hmm. fifth edition, the shell of a fifth edition, it makes it familiar. It makes it easy to easy to work with, like you said. Um, I even though I was playing, like I was still trying to look at it from the GM perspective as as usual, because that's what mm-hmm. I'm used to. There's a lot of interesting tools that this particular book gives you, um, especially what I really liked um, seeing was the campaign and the campaign versus season and session versus episode uh, dynamic that they had going on where mm-hmm. it has a, it's very structured in that sense. Um, that's something that like a lot of different gaming groups I know from experience have trouble pacing with. Um, this gives you like a nice way to pace it, makes it feel like Stargate. Um, because Stargate's a TV show. That felt very valuable. Uh, and we can get into that more later, probably, I think, when we talk about it more in oh, depth. Yeah, I think so. But other than that, um, the actual book itself had some had some very cool things. The art, I mean, the art that was made specifically for this, I think, was very, very thematic. It worked well for the most part. I thought a couple of the art pieces were a little odd. Um, no specific ones, but it's it does the theming very well. And I think that's its strongest um, strongest aspect. All right. And then, uh, Wyatt, what were your first impressions of the Stargate RPG? I don't want to mimic everyone else, but there's a, a lot of it that, uh, is, was very interesting and kind of familiar with the system. I thought it was interesting. The use of the, the feats as being like tied to the, the class features, but you pick them later. Like, you know, mm-hmm. here are the, here are the feats that your character gets, but it's actually in a different section. So that was, that was a little bit odd in that, but it was interesting. The different types of ones you could choose like to further customize the character to kind of fit into the different niche you wanted your character to go. Cause I was playing the engineers like, so I get to modify things like, which parts am I going to modify? So I was able to like kind of determine because I wanted my character to have like, kind of a hacker background. So I was like, all right, I'm going to work on the communication stuff. Interesting in that regard. Uh, the art, uh, again, yes, it, I liked kind of the, the format or on the side of the pages, it tells you kind of like what section of the book you're in. So for mm-hmm. referencing later, you know, all right, I'm in, I have it up right now. The I'm in the class section or I'm in the equipment section. The different types of equipment being either like race specific or the uh, facilities. There's more more things that we can utilize from the the show and get like different things that we wouldn't normally get in a, a standard like D and D game because we don't have like all right we've been working out in the you know gym or you know testing things out in the gun range you know we don't have that you know it's like oh we can add to our skills but we don't have like specific bonuses to a mission so right. I thought that was an interesting uh, addition to the way the system worked. One thing I would say, personally, my first impressions were definitely along the lines with you guys. Um, it led theme, like from page one to page X, whatever uh, it ends up being. The entire book felt like it was I was, you know, reading a Stargate book. Uh, between the art, the layouts, uh, and all that, it definitely held that theme throughout. 
one of the other good things is because it is built on the uh, uh, 5e system, it wasn't that we had to really relearn a rule set for it. We just had to figure out what was modified or different on this one. So we could jump in very quickly and very easily because we all had that uh, 5e background. Another thing I personally found interesting, and uh, Alec touched on it, was from the GM's perspective, the season and episode and mission setup. So it, it definitely tries to, in the in the game mastering section, talk us about like how do you get that feeling at a tabletop game. And I felt that was one of the strongest suits uh, and first lasting impressions when I went through the book the first time. Wyvern Gaming is, is doing a very good job of trying to portray how do you make this feel like the TV show? Because if you're going to play this, you're probably at least familiar with the TV show, hopefully uh, a little bit, if not a, a, a true diehard fan. And that's what you want out of your tabletop game if you're coming at it as a Stargate fan. You, you want to feel like you're playing Stargate. So having that tool set for the GMs, I think, was a really good touch, uh, first impression-wise. So let's talk a little bit now. That's first impressions. Uh, and of course, this is was a beta test, so it's not necessarily the final product in such a way where like, we can say, yes, this is exactly what they did right, and this is exactly the, that uh, we think are the weak spots because it's still kind of a work in progress. I will toss the ball over to uh, Ken again. What were the things that the uh, Wyvern Gaming did well in this book, and this uh, edition of Stargate? I think that the, the overall feel of the game is done, is presented in a way that if you are, in fact, a Stargate fan, or at least familiar with the general tropes of sci-fi, this game really hits home, and it really does feel episodic, as if you are playing through a homebrew season of a Stargate show. It gives a lot of information for uh, the Game Masters to set up, um, not just a 13 or so episodic season to play through, but it gives enough background of the Stargate universe to really be able to create and design your own um, destinations through gate travel. Set it up the way your Stargate away team would be playing through their own flavor um, in addition to just story. Like SG-1, um, Atlantis have a completely different feel from each other as well as having a totally different feel from, from Stargate universe. Mm -hmm. um, we're not even going to get into Infinity. <laughs> <laughs> but the the book really does hammer home that stargate feeling um which a lot of products geared towards television shows or movie supplements don't necessarily are able to capture i think that's one of the concerns i had coming in was that okay we've got the wide variety of weapons that we've seen used throughout stargate um from the movie to the tv series and everything so, okay, they're basically just going to say, this is a pistol, it does D6 damage, and it has this range. Um, but looking at the chart, looking at the uh, the charts for armor and weaponry, it actually really hits home that primitive planets do standard amount of damage you'd expect for a primitive planet to do. Super strong dude with an axe can lob your arm off, can do some serious damage hitting melee. But the moment they step into the arena of battle with somebody with a more advanced culture, who's got more advanced armor, more advanced weaponry, they really are outclassed in that perspective. Just because an axe trying to go through a Kevlar vest isn't going to be the same thing as like a, a you know a blaster weapon of some form, like scattering a, a landscape. 
with a dude that happens to be standing there wearing, you know, chain mail or leather armor. So I really like to feel that the higher culture, the higher technological cultures uh, really do have uh, a foot up in the in the gameplay itself, reminiscent of the TV show and how the gold uh, were able to, you know, keep their foot on the throat of all the uh, the enslaved races and stuff. Awesome. Uh, Alec, what do you got uh, that you you enjoyed from this? Yet again, a lot of the things that Ken went over are things that I've really enjoyed. Um, we talked about how it, it felt like Stargate, and it it, mm-hmm. it did. It did that very well. And I think that part of that is because Stargate lends itself very well to tabletop RPG exploration. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at a Stargate episode or an SG-1 episode, it's, it's four people ex- going onto a planet exploring the, the characters, the archetypes that exist there are the kinds of players that you can have in a game very easily, especially O'Neill. It just works in that regard. And then we've mentioned this, but 5e just helps it run smooth. 5e is a simple system, one that's very easy to, to grasp and jumping into it, it really helps push the game forward. The tech levels were one thing that that Ken had mentioned that I also really liked. Being able to differentiate between a Gua'ul tech versus humans versus, again, the, yeah, the, the primitives, which, I mean, I never really thought about it, but when you think back on Stargate, 90% of the episodes are dealing with primi- those primitive cultures. I always remember like the big episodes where they're fighting Gua'uld and attack cruisers and stuff like that, but no, 90% of Stargate is those primitive tech encounters. I do wish, like, uh, uh, it might be going off on a tangent here, we didn't get a chance to explore that tech difference as much as I would have liked in mm-hmm. the in the playtest that we went through, but that's one of the more hopeful things, because I, I really want to see how that interacts once you get to dealing with a Gua'uld enemy or a Jaffa battalion, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, as well as that, you had mentioned at the end of your first impressions, I absolutely love the way that they gave the GMs the tools to define an episode. Not only is it just, okay, and a season has 13 episodes, but it gives you a basic rundown of what each episode is going to be. Like episode one is the introduction to the whole arc of the season. Episode two is a quick diversion. Episode three, et cetera, et cetera. All these different mm-hmm. easy to plan situations to send your players on for a single gate mission. All right, and Wyatt, what did this do well for you? Well, again, continuing on the whole like tech level thing, I, I really <laughs> actually enjoyed the way that the weapons were designed for explaining how certain like specific Stargate tech worked, and specifically the the zap and that condition tracker. So mm-hmm. separate from HP, they had the you know the condition tracker to see if you were like you know rendered unconscious or you know or dead from you know having two hits from a zap. You know, I thought that was a, a creative way of having that technology work in the system. As I know we we talked about it previously, so I'm just going to take up that whole thing and like <laughs> mention it here because right. uh, that was a unique way of like dealing with. All right, how do we deal with this weapon that can instantly like knock somebody out or kill them without having it you know deal with HP? issues so we mm-hmm. have the, the condition bar that just worked perfectly for explaining how that would work we didn't get to use that but it, just the idea that it works you know mm-hmm. is brilliant the other gameplay things i think you know being able to work together as a team like i as an engineer was able to modify the staff weapon so somebody else could make it you know work better in the you know, the other interactions we had with our skills to have that kind of team dynamic, which you would have in in the Stargate world. They have, you know, Daniel Jackson is specialized in, you know, the culture stuff so we can translate things for Jack. You know, it all works out. 
it's funny because like all of you guys have pretty much said a lot of things I enjoyed about it too. Um, continuing once again on the tech uh, equipment level, I thought it was a brilliant way of using the core five E rules and saying, okay, you, your weapon that you're attacking me with is a lower tech level than my armor. So it's going to do innately less damage. So they gave, like, I get free resistance against things that are less, more primitive than what I'm wearing. Um, it was a clean way of using the 5e rules that already were established and already known about to reflect that thematically. Wyatt also pointed out the Zat Nicotel or Zat's same idea. We have an exhaustion chart. Why don't we just leverage that as how Zat's work? Because... They stun you, which uh, three levels exhaustion are pretty brutal in a 5e system. And then the second shot kills you, which is the next three levels of exhaustion. And then we ignore the fact that the third shot disintegrates the body. Having played two other iterations of the Stargate RPGs, uh, there was a D20 system back in like the 3.5 era, which wasn't a bad system, but it felt like it was a reskinned D&D, where this, while it's using the same... D&D 5e engine, Wyvern hit it out of the park with the theme to make it not feel like D&D. I know I was using D&D rules, but I know I wasn't playing D&D anymore. And that's what I had an issue with with other iterations of, hey, let's just use D20. Without hitting heavy on the theme and using the mechanics in a thematic way, it's like, okay, we're just playing D&D in space, or we're just playing D&D, you know, in whatever setting, post-apocalyptic. So that's where I feel like this really wins, is in leveraging the theme and using the mechanics to enhance the theme opposed to just say hey these are the mechanics let's use them my biggest concern walking into this personally was the class system which was another issue i had with the other d20 if you watch the show and you you watch the characters they grow in the advance and they change daniel jackson is yes season one a nerdy scientist who doesn't know what the hell's going on in a combat situation 90 percent of the time two or three seasons in that's not true anymore he can actually hold his own while he's not necessarily a a uh, soldier like uh, Tilk or a trained military veteran like O'Neill, he knows enough to be, you know, to hold on his own. And that's where I feel like a full, like, level 20 class system would not have worked uh, and didn't work in the old, in the other version. But because they only kind of tether you that for the first five levels in this system, and that kind of opens up like, hey, here's all these feats, pick what you want. And then that's you get you can kind of customize your flavor of character is that here's your early stuff. And then the rest of the rest of like your leveling is here's a giant a la carte menu. Go for it. What do you want to make? Uh, so I think those combinations are what really makes this system a lot better. I think all of us are kind of agreement. We have a lot of good stuff on this, but it is a beta test. And there are some things that we were not necessarily big fans of. So let's kind of talk about some of the opportunities and maybe let's gear it at things that we would want to see in the final product as well. Like, hey, this is if we can fix if they can get this fixed, man, this thing's going to be great. Well, let's start it off again with Ken. Uh, so first and foremost, um, the thing that really stuck out with me was the scout class itself. While it does have enough interesting features like the Vanguard feature um, and the field hacks, um, which literally allow you to be more of a support character out in the field, while also being able to be the sneak around, scout ahead, get gather information core um, that you'd expect from a rogue type class in uh, a, a D20 system. 
the wording on the actual class feature, specifically field hacks and what you're allowed to choose is a little off-putting for me. Um, if you're playing a first-level character, you get field hack, and it's basically like amongst the very small improvements you can get, you choose one field hack, see page at at, because again, it's just a playtest uh, system that we're running with. But then when you go down and take a look at the list of field hacks available, many of them require an ability you do not get until second level before you can choose them. So the field hack you're actually allowed to choose at first level may as well simply be take this one thing and mm. next level you'll have uh, a broader selection available to you. Again, it's a play test. I understand that sometimes like wording or setting up doesn't always line up with what the final product is going to. Um, but that was specifically when we were doing our character creation session was the thing that was really difficult for me to get behind um, because I did have a concept for the character and I had read the field hacks and I really did like the options available to me, but none of those options were available to me at first level, contrary to what the actual creation setup uh, indicates. The other thing that was a little confusing that I think all of us found our groove with after the first play test going into the second play test was using base for advantages and bonuses going into the missions. And I think Alec will touch on it later with uh, playing a medic and not being able to actually use the medical bay <laughs> um, in an effective way. But the way the base is set up in general, it was really unclear just in how it was worded. And um, again, we were playing a, a couple play tests, not actually sitting down to play a campaign, which I'm sure would change our perspectives on the rules as well in, in a different setting. But it really didn't explain how we were supposed to go about using um, the base to our advantage, other than simply saying, I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and use the mess hall. So I would have liked uh, just a, a clarification on the rules on that, on how to actually use and utilize and advance the the bases and everything um, so we can grow and develop that. And again, uh, we ran two playtest games. It would be way different if we were playtesting for an entire season to where we could actually have that set up and established and all three of the players involved um, had a good idea of what we were looking at base-wise other than here's a list of mechanics we can choose from. So I'm, like I said, I'm fully expecting that to be something that is cleared up or at least the wording on it is cleaned up a little going into the final product. But other than that, I have uh, a lot of very positive things to say about the system and what they are attempting to do and what they have so far applied into a D20 system. Thank you, Ken. Uh, Alec, where do you find the opportunities in this? As Ken mentioned, the medic class did feel a, a bit odd at times. Obviously, a medic. It was supposed to. Be, it wasn't a cleric. Um, and I'm I'm always going to look through a lens of D and D here. It is five. Mm. It is a five E system. Um, and that's D&D is what I'm most familiar with. But the medic was the healer, not really a cleric at all based off of what it does. It didn't feel like a lot of its actions were very useful most of the time. Um, again, that might just be due to the two play tests that we ran. We weren't in a situation where we were really dealing with attrition. We had two single day encounters both times, which generally in D&D terms, like spellcasters will be better at that and then a martial class will be worse. The medic feels more like a martial class in that regard. It's better, better attrition-wise. You'd mentioned the medical bay from the bases. All of those different firing range, medical bay, mess hall kind of things, giving bonuses. It did feel really odd that me as a medic wouldn't get a bonus from working in the mess or working in the medical bay. Um, again, that might just be an oversight because it seemed like that only affected the scientist, I believe, which the ones with Eureka. Perhaps I, I haven't looked through all of the feats for scientist. 
but it may be that post-level 5, I would be able to gain benefit from that. It still seems odd limiting it, limiting what should be the class's identity of healing and and help helping wounded people not it just it doesn't work with with that medical bay in addition to that i thought that some of the races were just a little they weren't fleshed out as well as i would have liked Mm -hmm. and i noticed this like in character creation because some of them like the Towery had everything that you needed. Stargate a lot of times suffers from the um, the single biome planet syndrome, and yeah. me playing an Abaddonian uh, limited my features a lot. Looking through it, uh, when you when you create a character and you pick your race, you get an you get backgrounds, two backgrounds essentially, called an origin, experience, and then a racial background. You can pick two out of those three. Abaddonians had very limited um, very limited choices there because there was none for the none for the racial because there was no Abaddonian racial period. And then the only other origin that I could pick, the biome origin, was desert. No choice there. Doesn't make mm-hmm. sense otherwise. Um, and I think that this is this is to be expected because they they still need to work on on really fleshing out all of these different uh, different races and giving them more options but this is a play test so they they pro- they focused on different things it seems some of the races fell by the wayside i didn't we didn't get a chance to see any of the crazy other races that existed in here because we had a jaffa and two mm. humans essentially um we didn't get to see an unas or an aturin or even a tolan which is a human but not really so i think i think that given time and given more options all those races will be better but right now they're not in a, in a state where it feels right picking some of them and i'm speaking like i i i didn't necessarily like playing the Abaddonian because of that, because I felt so limited on what I could what I could customize background-wise. Other than that, like just from a general design perspective, I felt like Dex was a little overvalued, and that's an issue with D&D as well, where Dex is the strongest stat other than Constitution. But in this game, it's exacerbated even more by everybody using ranged weapons, and and everybody getting a like if you wear light armor, you get you're getting a bonus to your to your AC, and most of these classes wear light armor. I thought that that was a bit of an issue because. Because like you always want to put points in decks. Every class is going to put points in decks, so it kind of limits the variety that can exist in a party in that respect. If you have players that really want to get the most out of their characters, but other than that, like I said, I I did I did enjoy it, even though I, the medic had some weird weird things going on with it. I did enjoy playing it, and I did enjoy the the role playing side of the Abaddonian more than the actual mechanical side. Those are things that can be fixed. Those are things that they, they can be expanded on. So Awesome. And then, uh, Wyatt, uh, where were the opportunities that you found? Well, as I was playing the mechanic in the in the group, it, there was, uh, this is possibly more of a, a story thing, there would be more things for a mechanic to do because a lot of the skills and uh, feats that uh, the engineer has are more you know designed for tech campaigns. If you're in, like, in a lot of the Stargate stuff does hit into a more primitive uh, angle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's nothing to work on so i you know the skill whack it where you just like hit a machine to get it to work and i should notice but there is a a spelling error in the charts it doesn't have the c but in the listing it does have the c for for (laughs) whack it skill so that's that's something that could fix but more versatility early on i think for some of the characters as far as what they can do so they're not like pigeonholed into i'm the engineer i only work on motors and things and like all right there's no motors mm-hmm. i'll just send over here 
um, and or just be the you know support guy and then an extra gun on the field. Another thing I think is some of the organization of the book could probably be helped by having like better reference to where you're going for things. Like because a lot of things are like all right, find this page that has the feats which it's referenced. So there's a lot of cross-referencing to different sections if some if some of them were like all right these are just the engineer specific things and then later on there's additional stuff that could be added you know one note again that might be helped by actually having a physical copy of the book because I, I like physical books so it's like easier to flip page and you can put notes and things all right go to this page right i suppose there are ways to bookmark pdfs but it's trying to scroll through and find the page numbers and like especially with a lot of the page numbers are omitted because they haven't been completed yet so it's like all right page xx that <laughs> right again I, I did like a lot of the, the skills that exist for the you know the engineer class you know i think if we gotten further along we could be able to add more things and i'm sure there'd be scenarios where you know each character has their opportunity to shine in their field mm-hmm. so I, I really want to try planned obsolescence you know, where you just rig something to just explode <laughs> those that's actually all really really good opportunities a lot of things i was thinking of too as we were playing through it alec hit on the origins which i love the fact that we got two origins out of the three lists which is your biome list your background list and your racial list but as he as alec pointed out because of the nature of the universe uh abedonians kind of get pigeonholed in a very bad way and they're not the only they're not the only race choice that gets stuck like that even the unas or while they may have had a racial uh, option that the abedonians didn't they didn't really have really good biome options either that would make a lot of sense for uh, the unas thematically uh, so if the backgrounds and the racials get expanded a little bit better i think that would be a really good spot to do some effort on ten had pointed out the facilities which i think is a fantastic add to the game and mechanical but it needs refinement in the sense of some of these facilities don't work for all characters it doesn't make sense for why the medic couldn't work in the med bay and get some sort of bonus you know some of it is like oh i'm going to be practicing the firing range between missions so at least i'm a little bit more familiar with the weapons when we get on our next mission and i'll have a bonus for that great anybody can use that but like the more specific ones i think were the issue uh where they were really good idea but not necessarily fully executed it in such a way where it's like okay everybody can get a benefit out of this in some capacity i like the idea of the facilities i just it needs a little bit more refinement to me and i think why you pointed out the other thing that i was thinking of is i love the idea and i, I put this on my on my uh things it does well i love the fact that after level five it opens up into this wonderful like you could be whatever you want to be you just pick the right feats maybe it needs to happen sooner I, maybe if level five is too far out, maybe it needs to be like in 5e where like that level two, level three, where you pick your archetype for your class is maybe where you start to break that out a little bit better. I just feel like maybe five levels is a little too deep into a pigeonhole theme that a character may not want to grow into. Again, this is also coming back from when uh, we did a Stargate game based off the West End D6 system, which doesn't have classes, and it was just like, okay, where do you want to put your points and skills and go? Coming from a classless system that we really enjoy to a more structured class system, I think that's where some of that's maybe a little colored, but I feel Stargate doesn't necessarily, uh, is thematically, doesn't really necessarily have really defined classes, because if you look at the uh, SG teams, everybody's got to do at least a little bit of the job. There's special on the teams but everybody needs you know 
basic first aid. Everybody needs to know how to defend themselves. Everybody needs to be able to dial home uh, and things of that nature. So there's a little bit of a universal skill set that's needed. I I think that that diversity and and play with where you want your character to be could probably end up a a bit sooner. So overall, uh, I I definitely have a lot of positive things, but it's a work in progress. If they can nail those couple few more things and like really define what is different from uh, the standard 5e rules, I think that is going to be where it wins big. Now, normally uh, in the reviews, we also talk about what, who we'd recommend this for and who we wouldn't. So why don't we just we'll go around one more time with who would you kind of recommend this game for versus not. I feel we're going to have a very similar answer. Color it and also maybe give some final thoughts. So I think that this game actually is well designed for anybody who is not only just a fan of Stargate in general, but sci-fi because even if you're not specifically a huge fan of the Stargate series or the Stargate universe, um, there are enough general sci-fi elements to this, um, um, some classic sci-fi tropes um, that'll really hook you and hook you as both a game master and as a player, getting your your teeth to sink into just a a system that's got a lot of rich history to it. Um, so there are lots of potential for source books and stuff to have all of the background material you need while still being flexible enough to say like, Hey, I'm not going to use anything that's specifically out of the Stargate timeline. I want to create my own run on the, uh, on the game. Mm -hmm. Um, You're definitely gonna be able to do that. I also think that for a new player, not necessarily somebody who's new to gaming, but somebody who is new to Stargate, there's a lot of potential to come in with the bright-eyed Daniel Jackson type character where you find out one day that, oh yeah, everything is new, everything is real. Um, And like the original Stargate movie, stepping through that gate not really knowing what to expect. I think there's a lot of potential to bring in um, newer players who are maybe familiar with tabletop role-playing but not necessarily Stargate to where they can experience it um, with those fresh eyes and actually without having to go back and watch any of the show, without having to read any of the source books, the entire Stargate universe uh, would be out there for them to pick up and learn um, very much like the characters from the original SG-1 um, series had done. They knew that this, what the Stargate was. They knew the premise of, of um, Stargate Command. And now they're on this team that gets to explore the galaxy and find out what exactly is there. And I think there's a lot of potential there for veterans of tabletop role-playing, veterans of the Stargate universe, and uh, relative newcomers that don't really know much other than what the premise of Stargate is. Awesome. Thank you, Ken. Uh, Alec, what do, you, what do you got? I think my biggest takeaway is that Stargate fans will probably like it. Um, at least uh, Stargate fans that also are interested in tabletop role-playing. If you are both of those things, then you'll probably enjoy this. It following the 5e system makes it very familiar, very easy to grab those that already are in tabletop, and I think that was a good point um, that Ken made, where even if you aren't a fan of Stargate, because it's such a familiar, comfortable system for a lot of people now, it can draw people in because of its sci-fi nature. I think that almost certainly you need that the GM in that case needs to be a Stargate fan, at least right now. Maybe if this game happens to gain more traction, then you can have groups that aren't necessarily like super fans or groups that haven't watched every season at least twice that kind of thing i know that Mm -hmm. at least i have seen stargate at sg1 in atlantis through two and a half times i think its original run once after like while during the original run i went back and rewatched some of sg1 
and then again I rewatch it again like two years ago. Uh, I, I think that the biggest issue it might have there is that the Stargate system doesn't do anything groundbreaking. This system, it's not trying to to change things to make it um to make it interesting for other tabletop gamers. It every every thematic every change it made was to push the theme, and it pushes the theme very well. Which is why I think Stargate fans will latch onto it more than just regular tabletop gamers who are looking for maybe a different experience. Because it's it's five E system. Combat is combat. I honestly, at least in my experience, it's my least favorite part about five E a lot of the time. It it can get really bogged down sometimes and it that same thing reflects here. So if that's the kind of experience that you're looking for, a combat experience, definitely not this. But at the end of the day, Stargate fans will like this, and those fans might be able to bring more people in. Whether that actually happens, we'll see. All right. Uh, and then Wyatt, uh, what are your final thoughts, and uh, who, who would you actually see this going for? Well, as with any uh, themed game to a specific franchise, I'd say that the Stargate fans are really going to be the ones that are going to gravitate to this immediately. And it's going to bring along with with them some of the, the other tabletop gamers that are uh, familiar with D&D because it's you know the same system, so it's going to bring them in too because it's got that accessibility. Mm-hmm. So if they see this as like, oh, it uses the same system, let me let me check this out. So if they've heard of Stargate or like are interested in like a sci-fi angle to the D&D rule set, then I think this is going to be one of those things that could pull them into trying something different. And I think that the what they've provided here really does supply a versatile difference in the gaming experience. So I think that mm-hmm. the, the Stargate fans are going to like find something that they like in it. The other tabletop gamers are going to find something that they like in it. I think it's got something for everybody going to keep it interesting. And if you have a, an excellent game master, which is, you know, a lot of the times that's really what makes the game, uh, in addition to a good group, you can come up with a huge variety of different types of campaigns and scenarios that this system can accommodate so awesome and i, I kind of echo the same thing in the sense of because it's a, it runs off 5e and because it's stargate if you're a fan of either one of those things it's going to be an easy leap in you know if you're because 5e is very accessible as a gaming system so if you have no tabletop experience and this is your first tabletop game the rules set are easy enough for you to jump in and start learning if you're interested in stargate in that time because the the theme is going to be there and keep you interested as you learn the mechanics likewise if you're old 5e veteran but you're not really big on sci-fi you haven't really done that and like your your local game master's like hey i want to run a stargate game it uses 5e and like oh okay i'm comfortable 5e and then you just have to learn the lore and and, and experience the game world then it's going to be more of a hey i'm playing a D game that is sci-fi with these slightly different rules and slightly different variations. And I think that group is going to gravitate over very nicely. Where I think they're going to potentially miss on this is getting new people into RPGs that have never RPG'd at all. They're interested in sci-fi, but are at the weird age of they didn't watch uh, Stargate. Or they're not familiar with it. Because, unfortunately, the one opportunity I think that's missing right now is the last Stargate show was Universe, and that was a short-lived uh, series that is now definitely been, I think, what, Wyatt, I think you were still up by us, so it's at least seven years, I think. The final episode for Universe was in May 9th, 2011. Almost, since Almost we're in May. May of 2020, it's nine years since yep. uh, Stargate was on TV. 
So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for this game, is it's going to gravitate people who know it or people who are familiar with it, but I don't know if it's going to really capture anybody who knows nothing. But uh, if that's not the target audience, that's not the target audience, and I understand how that marketing works. But using 5e, it's going to make it a lot easier and accessible for those who aren't in that world yet, uh, but at least new of Stargate. I think that does a really good summary of what we've been talking about for this time. So once again, I want to thank each of you, uh, both Ken, Alex, and Wyatt, for joining me on this playtest to figure out what this game's like, because it's really hard to do a review of an RPG system just reading a book, um, especially something in playtest mode where it's like, I got to see these mechanics in action. I got to kind of see what's going on before I can make some judgment calls on it. So thank you guys for joining me and talking about it tonight. And thank you for playing playtest sessions. And I think this is going to be some, I know I'm going to personally pick up once it comes out and uh, we'll probably run some, like uh, some side games because I think we all had enough fun with it to, to do that with uh, any final thoughts, anything you guys want to uh, mention before we call it from night. Uh, the only thing that I had secondary thought about hoping the, for a clarification on is the actual um, advancement system for characters. I know when you do a play test, you can kind of like, okay, the first one will run it at you know, second character level. The yeah. next one will run at fourth character level. Um, we chose first and or second and third char- or levels for the two play tests we ran. But the actual advancement system, I think that should be noted that it is different than a simple XP system right. um, that a lot of the D&D or other D20 systems have. And I know it's it's also different than milestone advancement as well. With the limited playtest we had, I think if we were to like sit down and do like, hey, we're going to run five games starting at level three and continuing on and using the advancement system, we would then have a better idea of, of how the system would actually break down per episode or per, per gaming session, and whether or not it is something that we as dungeon masters or game masters or players need to, to, to focus on, or whether it could go to just more of a uh, milestone achievement type thing. Yeah. Good thoughts. Alec, uh, Wyatt, anything else? I think we pretty much covered everything. Beautiful. I, I did really enjoy it, uh, even though I know that I, I went on the longest, I think, about the things that I <laughs> had problems with. I don't want that to like spoil anyone's view of it. This was very fun. Stargate, I love Stargate. I love tabletop, and it was a very good meld of the two. Perfect. Yeah, I concur. It's uh, it was a fun game. It was good to have you know the variety of different characters we had and like the interactions. It was it's always mm-hmm. it's always fun to get together and try something new. And this was something that, despite having played the previous Stargate games, this was its own thing, and it 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 worked. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. So uh, thank you guys for your time, and uh, we will call it here for this interview, and we will be in touch for probably future sessions, of course. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to our little interview with my players from the Stargate beta test. As always, that is our opinion. Four of us were definitely Stargate fans, so we definitely had that colored in there for us. Uh, As you heard our discussion, if it wasn't necessarily uh, for that fandom, we may or may not be as uh, excited about it as we were. So that does it for about this episode. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach us at Tabletop Arcanum on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Also, tabletoparcanum at gmail.com. And if you're looking to hunt a killer, you can use the promo code uh, Arcanum at checkout for some dollars off. Next episode, we'll be talking a little bit about Sherlock Holmes, the Consulting Detective series. Until next time, happy gaming.
You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.